Welcome to The Vinyl Preacher, your weekly podcast where we talk about the Bible and make a playlist. I'm Matt Cato, pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Los Angeles, California. And I'm Zach Pierce. I'm the pastor of uh, Lutheran Campus Ministry at the University of Colorado Boulder, where I uh, serve a community of students called Bread and Belonging, along with uh, St. Aidan's Episcopal Church. Well, well, second week of Advent. Second week, same as the first. What's uh, what's going on in the world? Do you have anything to talk about? I oh, I don't know, Matt. I'm I'm in the midst of uh, one of. People ask me from time to time, "What is a, a, a day in the life of a campus pastor like?" And um, I never really know what to tell people because there's no such thing like as a normal day, obviously. And I'm experiencing uh, one of the realities of campus pastordom right now, which is that the job can be very segmented in ways that I don't mm-hmm. think like a congregational pastor experiences. Uh, so, right, I have a board of directors, we have a community of alumni and supporters, and the work that I do with them is really important to making sure the work of our ministry happens. But the time that I spend uh, engaged building relationships in that community uh, doesn't necessarily, like, help our current student community to, like, mm. grow and build relationships, right? And vice versa, when I'm not, when I'm on one side of the fence, uh, something's not happening on the other side of the fence, Um and that's just a part of the deal, uh, and, and you can find a rhythm for it. And currently in the rhythm where I've swung, um, that's just a part of the deal, uh, and, and you can find a rhythm for it. And currently in the rhythm where I've swung, um, and that's just a part of the deal, uh, and, and you can find a rhythm for it. And currently in the rhythm where I've swung, um, and just a part of the deal, uh, and, and you can find a Accidentally, we ended up in a, a really first-class stand called Cluckers. Where, Sounds great. Where our volunteers ended up covered in chicken grease, um, which is not what they expected would happen that day. Uh, then, you know, we got to get our newsletter out, which we did. So we're doing mass mailing. I'm doing bulk mail stuff. Things they didn't teach me in seminary, how bulk mail works. Uh, we send out two newsletters a year. So we got to write the newsletter, fold, assembly. We got 800 addresses, 700 addresses. We got to get on there and get out. Uh, then we're getting ready for Colorado Gives Day, which is like the big online giving day coming up in December. But I also need to be working on our appeal letter, which will follow. So the idea, Matt, because I've had to learn about strategies for fundraising, and we're only able to do them in a very part-time way because this is the only, really only time of the year when I'm like, how do you raise money for a nonprofit? <laughs> like from people, uh, you know, so we... We tell you all about all the things we've been doing in the in the newsletter. We're going to be all over your social media feeds in December talking. You'll see students, all that kind of stuff. Like, you're going to learn so much. Uh, and third time, we're finally going to ask you for money. Uh, the idea being like, oh, gosh, I just hope you ask for money. When are you going to ask me for money? When are you going to ask me to do something? And then we do the call <laughs> at the end. So um, I've got some... Uh, the rest of the newsletters that are not going out in bulk of mail that I've had to like look up changes of addresses. So I've got to do those by hand and get them out and try to keep us on like a schedule through the holidays. Um, and Matt, I've talked about really a lot of work um, that does not involve engaging active students in a meaningful way right now. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's frustrating, but also a part of the deal. And, and I like, you know, talking about what we do and asking people for money is pretty pretty fun to do when it's the thing you care about and you think is worth supporting so yeah yeah look behind the curtain wow right. amazing speaking of which we're gonna get that patreon up in the new year man 
we're just going to talk about it a lot. So we're like, oh, when can <laughs> we get to support so. the podcast? When are we going to get to support the podcast? The appeal letter's yeah, coming, friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we're going to work on it. You guys let us know yeah, what I, sort of uh, things you'd want as Patreon insiders, though. I that's don't, right. I don't know. It's outside of um, access to our library of brilliant T-shirt designs. Yeah, we definitely uh, we definitely got to work on those T-shirts. Well, it sounds like uh, y'all have a, a pretty good deal with your your football uh, fundraising, even though it takes uh, a good deal of work to, to organize up those volunteers. Uh, I think I did mine uh, by myself this past weekend, oh, which bummer. happens sometimes. Yeah, but bummer. fun fact, uh, it was so uh, I have learned that uh, we make more when our team is doing well. We make less when our team is not doing well. Uh, except there are exceptions, and that's when it's a rivalry game. So mm. we actually filled up for the USC-UCLA game, even nice. though both teams are not that good. But yeah. it's a rivalry, so we filled we filled up. So that was fun. That's good. That's great. <laughs> USC uh, lost pretty badly, though. Um, Here in Boulder, see. we don't know yeah. what it would look like for our fundraising <laughs> if the bus did well. Oh, okay. We can only imagine. I haven't had that. I mean, I assume it's better, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's only been 10 yeah. years of me waiting for them to be competitive. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, and people are all people are always like, there was an article that came out recently uh, in College Athletics, which is its own thing, and you've got to um, dissociate yourself from reality to really engage in it, um, which I'm, I'm willing to do from time to time about coaches buyouts, right? Like all these coaches are being paid a lot of money to get fired and to not coach. Um, but as a person who's uh, essential small business, like depends on the success of the football team and a, can be significantly impacted by it, you know, yeah, it's not my money. Yeah. So like, Hey, let's get somebody who can win and help us out. You're killing me. Right. It's been 10 years. Yeah. 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 No, I, uh, I hear ya. So, that's the world of football uh, fundraising. That's why people come here. Football, that's, football fundraising. That's, uh, yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, I hear ya on, like, where you invest your time. How you have to invest in, like, these different areas in the ministry. And you just have to, it's part of the deal. Part of the deal. Just yeah. gotta do it. Gotta do it. I felt like last week, here's a preacher's life in the, in the life of a preacher. <laughs> I feel like I've had a pretty good run this fall coming back in, doing the outdoor worship. Like, pretty, pretty solid. I've had a pretty good batting average, I think. I felt, I felt pretty good. It felt like, hey, I've been at this 10 years. Finally coming together. Got my 10,000 hours in. Here we go. And then this past week, it was like, oh, no. Nope. That was a swing and a miss. But I, and I realized, like, one of the differences was, like, I spent the week, like, prepping stuff for Advent. So doing all that, like, behind-the-scenes stuff mm-hmm. and, like, setting things up so that the first Sunday would be good. Like, all this kind of behind-the-scenes. And I hardly talked to anybody from the church. <laughs> <laughs> and so then I got to church that morning and I, like, had a conversation with somebody. And they were telling me, like, what was going on. I was like, that's it. That's where the sermon should have started right there because that's what's on people's minds. And I didn't have a good yeah. sense of it because I had to spend my time somewhere. So it's, yeah, it's... uh it's a challenge figuring that out, and sometimes you just do. Sometimes you just have those weeks where, yeah, you got to do the, the stuff on the other side of the fence, like you said. So, yeah, as a preacher, it comes out in weird ways. I had an idea. <laughs> I had an idea, Matt, about preaching the other day. Uh, the preaching was like the original Snapchat. 
You know, I've been thinking about pre- prepping a little bit for our upcoming like podcast episode with uh, with Eve, and just thinking about it, you know, and like trying to find places like how can we connect like a career in songwriting with a career in preaching because there's you know a surprising amount of, of similar uh, similarity I think, um, and I've talked about it with comics before about about comics before you know like yeah, just like wow. I don't think I've ever really sat back and been like, oh, you're going to spend your entire life in a creative endeavor in which you write something and then, like, not only do you throw it away, but it disappears. Like, yeah. <laughs> like sure, you'll have to be manuscripts and maybe there'll be, uh-huh. like, dusty VHS copies of it, right? But, like, it's gone. Like, it just disappears. Like, it's completely gone and forgotten. Um, yeah. Almost immediately. So... And that filled me with hope. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did uh, one year. My, after my first year of preaching, I did put my sermons into a book. And I gave it, I gave it to my dad for Christmas. He, he loved it. I should have done it every year. I never did it again. Right. <laughs> uh, but even that, like, as fun as it was to, like, publish a book with blurb and, like, pick cover and stuff, it was super fun. And people mm-hmm. loved it. Uh it's still not quite the same, right? Because, mm-hmm. like, I know you can, like, it's such a cliche that, like, preaching is an event, but it's true. Like, you can have, you could have, like, sure, here's, like, a written sermon. It's, like, a good little piece of reflection. But, like, the live event and all, of, like, the intangibles that go into that and some of which you could never predict and, like, all that stuff. Like, yeah, you do it once, then it's done. <laughs> it's very ephemeral. <laughs> But t- totally worth doing, guys. So uh, you should totally preach worth this doing. Week. So keep at it. That's why we have a podcast. Did that's you? Because these get preserved forever on the internet. So that's great. Do, do you, Matt? Quick. I don't know if we can talk about this quickly, but we can try. Because it, it occurred to me when I was like uploading the podcast on Sunday uh, to get it out. Uh, like, because we recorded the time between when we recorded on Thursday and Sunday. Like the Rittenhouse verdict came in, um, mm. and that same sort of like ephemeral news cycle things. Um, well, did this you, is my problem. Did you this touch my, my problem with that? Yeah. yeah, and that was my problem, is that, like, I preached to my social media feed instead of to my congregation. Yeah, so, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, and it's such a stupid thing, but and you don't really... But so, like, yep, had all the activists, like, posting about it and stuff, and, like, yeah, no, it's it's obviously pretty bad, but, like, the truth was that that wasn't, like, the top-of-mind thing for the people in my congregation, right? So, like, probably the better... The thing, if I could do it over, what I would have done is I would have addressed it in the prayers, and it would have been the right the right place for it, at least in my context, right? I'm not saying that's how everybody should have done it, but mm-hmm. I was like, to me, I preached to my social media feed instead of preaching to my congregation, and that was the problem. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's maybe... We can find somebody to talk to to help us figure it out, but, like... Um, yeah, I think that's a real challenge um, these days in which you could find something like that every week in the news, mm-hmm. right, and preach on it. So when do you, mm-hmm. when do you right, if you're not going to... Yeah. It's probably not the best idea to and preach on it literally every week. Um, yeah. How do you figure and it there's out? No, there's no hard and fast rule to that. So I'm not saying, like, that nobody should preach on that. I'm just saying, like, there is a difference sometimes between your social media feed and your congregation. So, you know what I mean? So... Yeah, I, I might I might push that even further, Matt, and say there's a difference between your social media feed and reality. Um, uh, it's yeah. also a, a well, I mean, and and just just I just feel like, I mean, with that like that particular incident, like so we I mean we have talked about um, 
racial justice. We've talked about verdicts. Like we we have talked about these things in my congregation. So it's not like we we never address these things. But the truth is, like at at this moment, like I have so many people just dealing with grief for all kinds of different things, and so like that was the. I feel like that's kind of where my congregation is at. So I can touch on some of those larger issues, but for me in my context, uh, particularly because I am in a community of color as well, right? So it's not like I got to challenge them on Kyle Rittenhouse. Mm-hmm. No, like they're in a different place. And so that's where I feel like we've got to, we're, we're dealing with some immediate things. And so that's what we should have preached on. Um, but again, like it's all contextual. So I'm like, I don't know that, I don't know. I thought a lot about, I send out, kind of weird working with young adults that I engage in an old person form of media is, is one of my primary ways of like engaging with all of them. You know, we've got a, we do a weekly email um, that has, has, has fine open rates and stuff uh, that goes to a much larger, it's about 300 students here on there. Um, and, uh, you know, I send it out at the beginning of the week and normally just talk about Mostly I'm pitching what we're going to be doing and you should come to things, right? But okay, but it is also a forum in which I get to like pastorally address folks when I don't have – because I don't have like a pulpit every week with the community. Um, and so uh, normally I try to write something helpful on, on Thanksgiving week because for us it's – students have all week off. Um, so fall break is the entire week and so they go home. And, and Thanksgiving for students in fall break can be a particularly difficult time because it's one of the first times you go back home. Um, parents and students are now in new roles, but nobody's really probably articulated that things are different now. Uh, and you're, everybody's trying to feel their way into it. So it can be difficult adjustments and stuff. Um, and I thought a lot about my email this week because I was, that was the same time I was uploading the, the podcast and, and Rittenhouse verdict stuff. Um, and I went back and read what I wrote in my email 10 years ago to students because I'm that old now. Um, so like, I was like, well, what did I write in the past for Thanksgiving? So I like went to MailChimp and I can like pull up all the Thanksgiving emails I've sent. And um, I was so naive uh, 10 years ago because <laughs> I, I said some of those things, right? Like about here's what's going on. It's just important to know that like roles are changing. But then I was like, and I know you can have difficult conversations at Thanksgiving, but you should really like I encourage you to like, uh, uh, you know, be vulnerable. Try to like build human relationships and stuff, right? Like go for it. Uh, and that's not what I said this year, man. <laughs> uh, I said, if you want to do that, that's great. But, you know, hey, we're still in the middle of what is hopefully a once-in-a-lifetime pandemic in an incredibly uh, uh, polarized human society. Uh, and you've got an opportunity to rest this week. So, like, if you, if you need to rest, just rest. Like, it's you don't you're not going to convince your crazy uncle of anything. Um, mm-hmm. So I know you've got like it's tied up in your identity formation and, and a part of that like burgeoning new role so these things are connected but you don't you don't have to this week <laughs> you don't have to this week yeah yeah I mean it's gosh that's it multiple things can be true and yeah you've got to preach to your your context oh do you know who was not preaching to his context <laughs> who's that Baruch <laughs> good good transition good transition we spent extra time this week uh, talking about the the craft of preaching you know? so, so now we're going to dive into these craft texts. of preaching week Baruch. Baruch is that because we have I, less to say about these texts perhaps I, I can't we'll believe you found Baruch I don't even have oh here it is alternate reading Baruch so we're going to start with that we'll <laughs> start with that old, it's an alternative rock podcast so. this is an old rock podcast I think you can really pair Baruch and Malachi uh, together here Matt um mm. 
if I may introduce Baruch, Baruch, of course, is a part of course is a part of the Protestant apocrypha or Luther's apocrypha. Uh, also, part of I, I, there is a deep Wikipedia hole, uh, listener. If you want to fe- read about the apocrypha and what it is, uh, there's no clear cut answer to that other than books that somebody thinks are non canonical um, for a variety of reasons. Turns out there is a Jewish apocrypha like a, a apocrypha within Judaism, and Baruch is a part of that as well. Uh, thought to be named after um, the guy who claims authorship in the first line, Baruch, who lived uh, in the late exilic period. But scholars think he wrote this um, around 100 to 200 BCE, so well after folks have come back from the exile. So there's my my connection. Uh, he is, it's, it's one of those like... Uh, pseudo-Pauline letters where uh, our author is writing, which is fine, you know, as a literary form uh, in another time and place. The connection points are this, right? Um, things are really bad during the exile. <laughs> I guess we have to say that. Um, and so uh, it's a letter to the people who are captive in an exile. And so a lot of it is consolation. We're going to get the kind of like last big prayer of consolation, the Baruch, the promise of, of salvation that is to come deliverance from, um, from captivity in Babylon. At the same time, um, both Malachi and our friend Baruch are, are writing from a time in which um, the second temple has been built. Everything's going great. Nothing could ever go wrong ever again because we went through the exile stuff. Things are great. And people, uh, according to our authors this week, um, aren't taking the temple very seriously. And so there's a movement in especially the apocryphal books and these late, late um, Malachi is the last prophetic book uh, in the Nevim, Tanakh, the end is the prophets. Um there's a prophetic movement to say, hey, we're not taking the temple seriously. We need to, like, refocus our lives around the temple. Um, and so these both are, are writing to the perspective of folks who are in uh, exile and the promise of reform and uh, liberation. Nice. Way to do some research. I see one of the connections uh, to the gospel, at least, is this uh, imagery around, so Baruch says, for God has ordered that every high mountain in the everlasting hills be made low. The valleys filled up to make level ground so that Israel may walk safely in the glory of God, which sounds a lot like John the Baptist. Yeah, it's this is John the Baptist, not John Muir gospel. <laughs> not John Muir, which is actually what I was thinking. So like, just... I haven't done any, unlike you, I didn't do any research on this, but just, just from context clues, uh, I'm guessing that for these people, the mountains were not an area of recreation that you would like go romanticize and go camping and get your, uh, go to your national park lodge up there in the mountains. But you probably, and you probably, if you want to travel from one place to another, you probably weren't getting on an airplane and primarily concerned about turbulence. Like you had to walk, maybe you'd have like a horse or something but like you're going over the ground like you're going overland right so the mountains are really um a stumbling block <laughs> to say the least shout out to a friend of the pod caleb craner uh and uh, a city in kansas overland kansas overland kansas That's how... i mean it's like a it's like a really practical concern right mm-hmm. like mountains are places of danger like if you're trying to get from one place to the next uh 
Does that, without For having sure. done any research and no, just using literary are, context clues, it sounds about you are a thousand percent Cause right I, here. Because I think mountains, and I go, I love mountains because I get to right. see them from a distance. <laughs> this is much more uh, in the ancient areas too. It's much more free solo than Ken Burns National Parks mm, on that yeah. spectrum. Um, yeah. They thought more like. Right? How are you going to get over El Capitan, right, with mm-hmm. with nothing? <laughs> You've yeah. got to free solo it. Like, literally, yeah. every mountain is free solo. <laughs> so I wonder what you do with that as a preacher. Like, do you uh, do you turn mountains into dangerous places? Or do you, like, do you, like, translate it into, like, okay, if this was today, what? I mean, you get choices to make, right? But, like, if this was today, what metaphor would I use? Would I still use mountains because nobody's walking over mountains today? What would you do? Choose a different metaphor. Well, I think, uh, Matt, you, um, the texts this week are ringing endorsement for strip mining. You call up Joe Manchin <laughs> to see if he'll sponsor the right? church. If no, you the other thing that, that came to mind is West Virginia. Yeah. Yeah, right. Um, here's, here's where I'd push it, right? That's true, right? But there is some tension in the metaphor. Uh, because mm. to skip ahead, so quick synopsis, synopsis of of summation of these texts. Baruch's uh, saying everything's going to be better. Uh, take off her garment. There's a lot of excellent metaphor here. Um, take off the garment of your sorrow. Put on the beauty of the glory of God. Uh, put on the robe of righteousness. Put on your head the the diadem, the crown of glory. Uh, and everything's going to be great. One of one of the one of the Horcruxes. What? Just that's the only way I know what a diadem is. Continue. <laughs> I know it from the song that Stephen Colbert sings on um, <laughs> on the internet every year. Nice. Uh, a part of that promise, right, is that God's ordered every high mountain and everlasting hill to be made low and the valleys filled up to make level ground. Because you can't grow stuff on mountains either. That's the, like, um, they're rocky. They're not mm-hmm. good places for crops. And people are starving to death all the time in the ancient Near uh, East. Similarly with the Malachi, right? Um Everything's going to be like wiped away and made incredibly different. He's like the refiner's fire. He's like fuller soap. I learned about what a fuller was this week, uh, Matt, because uh, somehow I've now got a, a Harper's Collins uh, Bible dictionary. The fuller was the person whose occupation was to uh, autocorrected to ocean, whiten, bleach, thicken, shrink, or dye cloth, uh, scrub hmm. uh, to clean it all up, right? Um Nice. Die changed the color of the garment completely. And then uh, we got the beginning of the third chapter of Luke, uh, where uh, in the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, you get the prophecy. You're not just the prophecy, we get John the Baptist himself, right? The word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, whose uh, birth story we just got. And he went to all the region, proclaimed baptism for, for repentance, for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, which Matt has a, uh, a typo. We talk about this every year, I feel like. Do you remember? Hmm. Uh, it says, uh, Luke's quote of Isaiah says, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, comma, begin the quotation, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight, every valley should be filled. Uh, in Isaiah itself, it's the voice of one crying out, comma, begin the quotation, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. So the way mm-hmm. of the Lord should be prepared in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know exactly what that <laughs> distinction means, but but at this, while mountains, valleys are problematic, um, um, the wilderness is also problematic. 
in, in much more in, in Luke's context, right? Jesus, a part of the problem with John the Baptist and Jesus is they're hanging out in the wilderness. The wilderness is not a safe place to be. Um, and so it is not, it was a place where people went, right? Who were on the run from the authorities, who were uh, outsiders, um, who did not meet the standards of society, right? You're long-haired hippies and freaks and stuff, right, are out in the wilderness. And, you know, the metaphor is not perfect, that the valley shall be filled and the mountains scraped over. Uh, but it is the promise that in that God, this new thing God is doing, that God is cooking up, is coming in some ways from the outside in. And so so the, the places that we fear, the places we, we would rather not go, are the places where this new thing is beginning and where God promises to be found. Nice. Yeah, I like that. Um, I mean, I was struck by this too. Like just the, again, it always surprises me, the number of names that are listed here. And then you can kind of get to, this is always a curse for whoever has to read that. I know maybe in your context, the preacher reads the gospel, but um, if you give it to somebody else to read uh, and they haven't seen it before, they're going to stumble over all these names. It's really frustrating. It's really, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I that had tronchitis. Totally in it. As a, as a child. Yeah. Did, yeah. You, did you have tronchitis? <laughs> so then uh, anytime we get a list of names, uh, always wanna, why is this here? I always want to ask why it's here. Uh, and part of it is this contrast, right? Where like the word of God is here are the people in the power, centers of power, right? Guessing in the urban areas, whatever an urban area looked like in that time. But like these are the centers of power. Uh, and meanwhile, uh, the voice of one crying out uh, and saying, don't prepare in these centers of power, prepare in the wilderness. And that contrast is really key for this text. I like it, man. I like it. If um, we're going to get Jesus's uh, little baby story here at the end mm-hmm. of was where, where we're headed uh, about a royal king right through the stars. I'm struck this season, Matt, um, by the, the, the elemental nature of Advent this year. That last year, you know, we had stars and moons and suns, and here we're getting uh, valleys and mountains. And next week, spoilers, you're going to get vipers uh, and, and locusts and all that kind of stuff with John. Um, and that, that when, the bab- when the birth comes, right, that, that it, there's a star again, that, that the birth of this baby is such a big deal that the, the heavens are aligned with it. And the idea that someone as important, powerful as this is born... Um, is not just born, right, but who's coming, emerges out of the wilderness. Um, is completely antithetical to that of, like, Caesar or Pontius Pilate uh, or Herod. Um, where you came from, the circumstances of your birth, again, in the ancient Near East, defined your life. Uh, and you could not, like, escape them. There were no bootstraps to pull yourself up. Yeah, um... Speaking of elements, sometimes I do prayer stations for Advent. I do four elements for four weeks, which is really fun. And this is a great week to work with clay because you're working with the earth being shifted and changed. Uh, just a little, just a little pro tip: use the four elements. Are you going to tell me the woods one of four? and every fragrant tree have shaded Israel at God's command? Uh, do the Baruch, preacher. Use the alt okay. text. When else Good are you going to preach on Baruch? I'm- Another alt text that you could use, uh, given some of the stuff that you're describing too, uh, the psalm for the day is actually Luke 
It's from, not from the psalm. It's from Luke. What? Luke 168 to 79. It's Zechariah's song. It's the Benedictus. Mm, personally, my favorite uh, song. So uh, another option for you, if you want to explore another part of Luke, if you're just tired of John, you're like, we're going to get John next week anyway. You get it. You get this song of Zechariah. Uh, and these songs in Luke are pretty awesome too. We're not going to talk more about them, but you know, they're here and there's stuff. There's, it's good stuff. We can talk about it. A lot of options for you. A lot of options. And there are also a lot of options, Matt, this week. Uh, peace. Uh, it's peace in your your candle theme week, mm-hmm. if you care about that, um, which which I think you can read into the text a bit. And I'm going to do that, Matt. Uh, lots of options about peace. Also, a lot of songs about valleys. Uh, and valleys we think of as being good and nice, right? Uh, but I'm not sure that's how the Bible sees them. Um, you know, obviously, you got the valley of the shadow of death, which is mm-hmm. the one that people think of. Uh, but thinking from a safety perspective, a valley is not... Uh, a very secure place to be. It traps you in many sense, uh, senses. Um, and one of those senses is like just staying alive from invading clans and tribes and armies. Um, when things are flat, you at least have the option of uh, seeing people coming and being able to run away, and you can't do that in the valley. And so we get all of these prayers here uh, through the songs of Spotify and the collection of pop music of all time about uh, searching for peace in the valley. Uh, peace in the, I almost went all the way, like just Peace in the Valley songs. Uh, I love Peace in the Valley by Dawes, which I'm going to put on here, which is not a version of um, of the classic that, that lots of people cover. Uh, but it's got a great line that uh, of a has a chorus that like um, evolves, right? So the chorus is the same, but kind of slightly changes. Um, that that one of the choruses says, you know, if there's um, if there isn't peace in the valley, I've got no place else to look. Uh, but it ends um, by saying, if there if there isn't peace in the valley, then there uh, then it wasn't ever there. Uh, which I love. Gosh, ugh. Uh, looking for a thing that's not there. Um, preaching, a life spent in preaching. Uh, peace in the valley by Dawes. Put it on there. Then I'm going to put a deep, deep cut, Matt, uh, from Gillian Welch. She's got a, a, a song called Peace in the Valley that is off of. Volume two of a collection of songs called The Lost Ones of Julian Welch. Um, and uh, it's not the, the regular song either. It's uh, about Geronimo um, and uh, uh, Geronimo being killed by the white man for uh, the sake of peace in the valley. Uh, I'd never heard it before. Interesting song. Like, listen to it. Wow. Maybe I'll throw yeah. on there, too. Uh, the classic is covered by everybody from Loretta Lynn to Johnny Cash and the Carter family. Uh, Sam Cooke has got a version on Spotify. But I kind of like... This is neat, Matt. This is neat. Uh, Peace in the Valley is a song that is on Elvis's Christmas album that I happen to have on vinyl. Um, so maybe I'm going to throw that on there, too. Elvis's uh, Peace in the Valley, which he put on his Christmas album which probably technically should be an Advent album. And last, Matt, uh, Down in the Valley, another good Valley song, The Head and the Heart. Uh, that's what I'm listening to. Fantastic. Good. Uh, way, to, way to stick with a theme. Mm. I like it. Good stuff. Uh, what have I got? Uh, hey, fun fact, this week, 30th anniversary of U2's Octung Baby. Uh, I feel like, like I was saying, I did, I did order my special edition vinyl, uh, but uh, I do wish they'd put out a vinyl of all the remixes. I know you're listening, The Edge, uh, so get on that. Um, however, also the 40th anniversary, this is how you know you're listening to an old band. Uh, they're just, all their anniversaries keep coming up. Uh, it's the 40th anniversary of their single, Fire. 
from 1981's October. And Fire fits this, uh, actually fits both of these, all of these texts, uh, but this Refiner's Fire, I guess we get the fire from John next week, but um, especially this Malachi Refiner's Fire. I'm gonna put you two's fire on there. Uh, and then, uh, gosh, um, all this stuff about preparing the way. Uh, let's go with the Fuji's ready or not. Mm. Here I come. Good stuff. And then finally, I was thinking about, um, all right, where, where does the word of the Lord come? Does the word of the Lord come from these centers of power? Where do you get your word of the Lord from? Where do you, where do you get your word of the Lord from? Do you get it from the centers of power? Or do you get it from the wilderness? I wonder if that's what Justin Bieber was thinking about when <laughs> he was thinking about where to get his peaches. So let's do Justin Bieber's peaches. <laughs> I know what he gets in California. <laughs> he could have gone to Colorado, but no, California. Well, man. All right. Got some scriptures. We got some songs. We've got it's some thoughts on the craft of preaching. Real <laughs> final.